Hey guys, before we get started, you know the drill. Follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at LaunchpadPod and our website, launchpadpod.com. We are kicking off the holiday season with an awesome conversation about holiday movies. We have some special guests in the house. They made a movie. You guys should check it out. It's called Cicada, but we'll let them tell you all about it. Let's get on with the show on the Launchpad Podcast. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three. All right, welcome to the Launchpad Podcast. I'm Aaron. I'm Matt. Matt, we have some guests in the Launchpad today. I'm super excited. These guys have been just some great friends. I've, I've known these guys forever. Dave, since college. Jeff, since I've moved to LA. I mean, y- you went to college with Dave and I. Yeah, but- I know Dave. Dave and I have been on a couple adventures. And yeah. then uh, Jeff, I met through you, I think, possibly at a D&D game. And I'm not embarrassed to mention that. But I I don't remember if it was at that or some other roomy type of thing. But yeah, they, these are fun guys and they made a fun movie. And it's definitely right up our fucking alley. So why don't you, uh, Rumi, why don't you intro them and then we'll, we'll jump into the movie. Yeah, man. So they made a movie called Cicada. It is out now on streaming. We have the director, writer, editor. I mean, this guy just put this movie on his back. We have the creator of Cicada, Dave Willis, and Jeff Kent, the star producer, another guy who just put it all on the line for this movie. Guys, welcome to the Launchpad Podcast. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I'm so excited to have you guys on. I mean, I've known you guys forever, and we just, I mean, we love talking movies. We love making movies together, and the fact that you guys went out and just made a movie, and it, at, when did you make this movie? When did this come I out? I mean, when did this start? Been, the, if you want to say, when did it start? Like, the first draft and table read was 2012 so it's been going for a long yeah. time but like when we actually shot a trailer for it i think it was like 13 14 and then we got to do the feature in 2015 and then you know subsequent <laughs> reshoots for years and years <laughs> but you know, and then a release in 18 right and final distribution in 20, in 20 so, so i mean we're, we're working yeah. on a you know it's damn near a decade <laughs> but that's what you got to do when you're making micro yeah. budget films i mean this is a micro yeah. budget film you guys raised every penny put a bunch of your own money into it I mean, like I was saying, Dave, you you did so much of this movie. I I helped a little bit. I I did a little bit of the VFX, but Dave, list some of the stuff. How many hats did you wear on this thing? I mean, uh, you know, writer, director, editor, production design, like uh, on VFX. I mean, pretty, anything. We had a crew that varied from like you know from like four to the eight or ten people at any given time, and I filled in like anything else basically. I mean, we'd be we'd be doing lunch. Or, or, or having wrapped the day shoot and then I'd be in the back with Bo like with a paint roller like setting up the set for the next morning you know so it's just that type of production the fun thing about movies like that too is and and uh, you know Dave and Jeff I think you guys are like Rumi and I that you love movies like Cicada but you can see the love in a movie like that that the filmmakers put into it you know what I mean you can see and I think Rumi and I have talked about this a lot I think that's why a lot of those sci-fi movies fail is because they're just like um, sharks and spiders mixed together shark spider that's what we're making yeah. the movie and it's as fast as they can it's all green screen you know that it's just like a, an algorithm a formula that they put together but when you have a movie like cicada you know that the the director writer producer creator was painting walls and that lends a certain um i don't magic i think is an appropriate term but to like make it more tangible like 
there's a heart to that. You know what I mean? And I think as an audience, you appreciate like, you know, I'm going to be more invested in that because you were more invested in that. You know? Yeah. And I, I mean, definitely those movies that you're calling back to are kind of how we got into this mess in the first place. Cause I was working at uh, the rental house and we were prepping all these like Roger Corman junior movie. And it was like all the things that were coming out were like Piranaconda and shark to puss and like all this, you know? Yeah. And, uh, (laughs) you know, I had been writing all these kind of, I call them baby drowners. These like these dramas that like you had a tearjerker type, like Oscar bait (laughs) and like, well, it's because in every one of those movies, they kill a kid like in Ray, like they drown a kid and then and and walk the line. They kill a kid. That's why, you know, that's why that, uh, mystic river. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. yeah, That's why that, uh, the Dewey Cox movie is so funny because it's like the wrong kid died, you know, but, <laughs> but like, uh, you know, I was looking at all these things and writing like totally different content. And I always liked B movies and horror movies. And then Birdemic came out and was like so popular. And, and I was just like, this is, I can't, I, I gotta do something. Like I can't, I can't tolerate, I can't tolerate the amount of views this thing is getting and like how unbelievably bad it is, you know? So that kind of, that kind of got me to start writing creature features and stuff and just like trying to write something fun and cheap, you know? Yeah. And I think the other side of that coin too, is like, you know, Dave and I have backgrounds where we love all movies and all kinds of movies. Right. So I think we each had projects that we would have ideally liked to get off the ground. Everyone has the personal story they want to tell or a drama. I mean, Dave had written two great uh, drama scripts that I really liked, but we're like, okay, we only raised 25, 30 grand. What kind of movie can we make? And at the same time, we were watching these wonderfully schlocky movies. And then there were all those other weird references, like the references to like, you know, thrashing, which is a skateboarding, right? Or, you know, we were watching Danger 5. We were watching all yes. kinds of random stuff that kind of, if you know the movie, if you're an insider, you know where those references are coming from. So right, kind of right. a confluence of all those things. It's amazing, you know, when, when you look at a movie like this and it's like a creature feature and you mentioned Birdemic and you watch a movie like Birdemic and do you think it's easy to fool yourself and say I could do that that seems easy but were you surprised by how difficult it was to make a movie that's that I mean is low budget that should be easy quote I mean I knew I I was getting myself into a mess I just didn't know how much but we we looked at each other at the end you know we went for 30 on the campaign and we hit 20 we hit 22 so we already knew we were going to be pulling money out of our own pocket (laughs) and all this other stuff and we just kind of looked at each other it's like the the deal we did on Indiegogo was like you know all or nothing so you get you get to keep the amount of money that you raise and or you can give it back if you just if you want to just cancel it and it was like well we made this much we're not just going to turn back now like we have a chance to at least get the principal photography in there and then we'll figure it out and that figuring out yeah figuring it out ended up rolling into like this multi-year process so but you know yeah i mean obviously there were days like especially learning some of the more difficult shots the vfx stuff that just took me like you know i'd have a shot that would take me like two weeks just simply out of like not knowing what i was doing so it's so like that that i definitely felt it at times but it was i mean it was worth doing but yeah I, I think just for our audience, I, 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 it amazes me when you read reviews and people like dump, like we talked to, to the guy who created Carousel yeah. about a killer unicorn and that's a B low grade movie. It's not great, a killer but unicorn. It's, it's a killer it's, unicorn off of a merry-go-round. Oh, right. <laughs> that's a very important <laughs> right, detail. I want to see it. You can't just glaze over yeah. that. It's, it's incredible, but he's always like, look, if you don't like my movie, you don't like my movie, but don't tell me you 
think that like you could do better? I'd like to go see right. you try it. And I think right. that it's so awesome that you guys, you know, you guys knew what you were into. You got in and you made it happen. So many people who think that they can do this or that they shit on a movie because it's low budget or something like that, they don't realize how hard it is. And it takes 10 years to get something done and then to sell it. For somebody to say, I want to buy that and put it on Amazon, people don't respect that. And like, I mean, this is just a personal thing. When you guys finally said it's out on Amazon, we got it on Amazon, it's out on DVD, we got it on DVD. Like, I am in awe, like so proud of my friends for getting this out there. Like, I can't even tell you. It's so amazing to just say that like, you guys have a movie out on Amazon. I can go to that website right now and rent that movie or buy that DVD. And that's freaking awesome. I got the yeah. shirt on today. No, I'm I got glad the Cicada shirt on that, today. That's vintage at this point because they redid the branding. Yeah. But, <laughs> but yeah, man, I mean, that definitely was the feeling for us uh, going into it. All That's all I wanted was because uh, we knew it was going to be cheap. We knew it wasn't going to be perfect. And we the goal ha- has always been like, get this movie done, get get it sold so that I can point to it to hopefully get to make a slightly better movie. Like, so, so you know, hopefully we get yeah. something lined up off of this and that that was always the cicada two. Oh no, god no no more no more wings aaron aaron knows what i what i went through on the, on the wings and no more bugs <laughs> i mean i dude i remember so this movie when you started i don't i think it was after the trailer yeah. but you came to me when to i was do doing a, to do a real bug yeah. you were like hey let's talk about this okay. and i remember like we were talking and like i didn't give you my highest numbers to begin no. with but then we were like all right what if we don't do the wings all right what if we don't do a right. puppet but we just do one that's suspended from yeah. a wire it's like, what if it's not that detailed and we just kept <laughs> yeah. carving and carving and carving Cut. off? But, you know, it's it, it shows what you guys have been through. And I think it's very flippant for someone to look at a movie like yeah. Cicada, like Carousel, like Birdemic and be like, how did that get made? Right. But it got made because you made it because you guys kept putting in the yeah. time, kept putting in the money, kept putting in like, lit- you know, you if you were painting walls, I know for a fact you bled at some yeah. point. Like, I know that you fucking smashed yeah, the no, no, no. some toy. Oh, yeah. Right? yeah, no, 100%. Let's do this because we're talking about yeah. it, and I don't think our audience is stupid. Yeah. And when we say the word cicada, I'm sure they know what that means. But let's give a quick synopsis. I don't care which of the three of you does it, but let's let's hear a synopsis of what this movie is about. It's about four friends that come together, and they're led by this disgraced baseball player, Johnny Bash, who's kind of like all washed up and in the butt, you know. <laughs> It just he's uh his career is long gone. He's just got you know his you got this piece of shit car and this, this bad relationship. I mean you bit you run into these four friends friends and they're all basically in a really bad place like in their life like uh, emotionally as well. And and they just happen to be the ones that come together when this, you know, this toxic fertilizer mutates this the batch of cicadas that's come out after 17 years and starts attacking Los Angeles. So, I mean, the premise is kind of, you know, it's obviously it's got the birds and birdemic type of like, you know, flying swarms of murder and all that. And that's what I wanted to do. But I think like you're saying, I mean, it's such a bizarre movie to pitch it. Even the people who worked on it, like when you're on there, like shooting the movie, Bo would turn to me all the time and be like, what movie is this? Because it is really all over the place. So to, pitch, to pitch it is kind of a wild ride, too, because it's like, yeah, it starts in it starts in the year 2000 and then it does a time jump. Uh, for I Like, is that really needed? I don't know. But it's like it's, it baked in there. And like the, the movie's so quirky and weird and kind of cobbled together in a way because we were constantly remaking it over a period of years and writing it and like molding it. And then so the movie that we ended up selling is like so insane 
insanely different than the one that I initially wrote. But I mean, for the better, you know, you get on you get on set with these actors and they they say things better than you wrote and you rewrite it and then you rework scenes and stuff. And, you know, it's all part of it. Now, Jeff, you play Johnny Bash. You were you are the disgraced baseball player in this movie. That's you. (laughs) And I'll tell you, with with the kind of uh, coordination that I have in real life, I'm I was a disgraced every kind of ball player walking on the set. So I remember when, when Dave wrote the part and we were talking about, you know, we were just table reading at the time. He goes, you should play Johnny Bash. And I'm looking at it going, you know, Bo, who played Randy, I mean, actually was a pitcher in high school and junior college. And, you know, I mean, he was a ball player. So I'm like, make Bo play Johnny Bash. I'll play Randy. I'll grow my beard out and do the whole, the whole thing. He's like, no, no, no. It's funnier if it's reversed. <laughs> so, and he was right. I mean, it's like when I'm in this, there's a scene in there to give context where, you know, I go to the, um, to the cages and I'm, you know, one of those little pop-up things where it pops up the ball for you to hit. I can't hit it to save my fucking life. Like, that's really <laughs> trying to do. I can't do it. But the weirdest thing is anytime we had a scene just the whole freaking movie of, you know, hitting at a bug that's not really there because you're on a blue screen or we're going to put them in later. Somehow I could look like I can swing a baseball, uh, a baseball bat, right? Like, so if yeah. there's nothing there, I can hit it. But if you're throwing yeah. something, yeah. Jet, <laughs> like, no chance. So you're saying, just so I understand, Jeff, you're saying that if we comp in the object after the fact, you are good at yes. it? Yes. You are good at hitting it? Okay. <laughs> that seems fair. <laughs> No, and and that's like across the board for my acting too. Like if, if you could put shit in after the fact, you'll you'll make me look. <laughs> <laughs> well, you surround yourself with good people too. You have a you have a great cast. I mean, the cast really. I mean, Bo Bo has been part of the crew for for years, but uh, Cassandra is in there, and then who, who plays Nelson? This guy was great too. Oh, Mike Mike Nielsen, who um, I had a relationship with prior. He um, he was in a short film that I co-wrote uh, with my friend Sylvia. She had done the. Uh, Women Directors Fellowship at AFI. We cast him in okay. a role in that thing. He was super funny. So I remembered him. And then when we did Angel Business Time later, which is a web series that uh, three of the four people on this Zoom worked on yeah. at different times. But uh, Mike was in that too. He was in the first one we did. Oh, yeah. 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 It's follow, yeah. follow me. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's why, you yes. know, as we rolled through trying to do casting for that part, like, uh, you know, uh, he said Mike's name and I was like, yes, obviously have to. Like, he was just n- yeah. natural. I could see him doing it. So, and there's a guy in the movie. There's like a, a homeless-looking, scruffy guy who clearly has no acting experience and is terrible. He plays like an end is nigh kind of guy. He's in a couple scenes. Where did you find that actor? Oh, that asshole! <laughs> oh, that guy. <laughs> the end is nigh guy. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in a couple of scenes. He, well, listen, he definitely dies by this. Listen, I mean, not only would I want to put all my friends in the movie, but like we had to put all our friends in the movie. Like they literally, like there's no way we could have made it without. It. it's like anybody anybody available like like to get in here and do it but obviously aaron helped me out so much you know with the, all the uh the vfx stuff and i mean at one point he was tinfoil so <laughs> you know yeah yep. i was right. uh, i i'm nelson in the trailer oh yeah right nelson, uh, nelson. Yeah, yeah that's nelson right in the trailer i was i was nelson in the trailer i was the end is near guy yeah. that was fun because you, so we we came out you know i came out a couple times but this this time we, we were doing what would you call it the corridor of death the alley oh yeah of death. the gauntlet of death 
what it was. That's what it was on the call death. sheet. Yes. On the call sheet. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, we were just in this like alley. It's just like, okay, we're, yeah, we're going <laughs> to film like, we're going to film like 12 deaths. This, this one guy who was a donor to the, to the Indiegogo, oh. he had flown out to have his head ripped off by yeah. a cicada. Awesome. Um, we had all these people dying that day. And I had a, a sandwich board on that says the end is nigh, yeah. the end is near. And I'm screaming, doing my preacher yeah. thing. Oh, oh Lord, the end is near. When you come, you shall see the light. <laughs> and all of a sudden I go, ah, my neck. And I fall down yeah. and face plant into a pad. And I did that like six or seven times. And like, I started like really overselling it because I did not need to fall that hard. Once you fall out of frame, nobody sees how hard right, yeah, you hit yeah. that pad. But uh, you know, you're trying to really uh-huh. fall out of frame hard, man. I, I cracked my I face planted so hard. I had these fake glasses on. Oh my God, I remember just that. Just kind of added more to the character. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> added to the character. Yeah. It was so fun though, man. What a fun, what a fun thing to shoot. What a fun thing to be a part of. I'm sure for you guys, it will take a while to look back and be like, that was yeah. fun because it's like, it's, it's so hard to do. It's so hard to make something and, and to, to pull it all together. But man, it came together and all the fun pieces, all the kills. I mean, there's so many people yeah. dying in this movie. I mean, the body count alone really, mm. I think is a, is a big selling point because a lot of movies don't deliver on a creature yeah. feature. And this has thousands of bugs and lots yeah. of deaths. And I think, um, tell me about some of your favorite ones. You put I mean, together. like you mentioned, uh, Sean Clanky, who's the guy, the guy from, uh, that scene that you were in, he flew in from Japan and he's just such a sweet guy. He's like, he, he just is really generous with donating to uh, all kinds of online projects like albums and, and films and stuff. And the ones that offer on screen appearances, he does them. And I, I, you know, it's just, he's <laughs> such a sweet dude. And he came and he was awesome. such a good sport and everything. And I think the great thing about this movie is, you know, a lot of times you drag your friends into a movie or something. They, they don't really know what they're getting into. If they're not actors, it's like an all day experience. There's a lot of waiting around, like you're changing camera angles and all this stuff. Not with this. Cause it's like, it's like we, we set up multiple days in the studio where that were just kill days and you bring people in and it's like, just like line them up. And then you get, you go and you, Try to come. You try to you try to come up with the most interesting ways you can to kill them without being too repetitive. Like, but to do it over and over like that, you just you know you just do what you can and you just kind of crank them through. And it's to the point that they have fun and they were in a movie and then they go home happy. Not like oh, I was on this miserable like no like low budget thing. Yeah. Like you know like, um, so. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, so it's oh, pretty, yeah. it's it's pretty good. Um we had a lot of fun obviously. I mean there were some days where it was like literally just nobody or or when we were when we were doing pickups and stuff uh it would be just like me and John the DP just like in the studio just shooting like like all the elements I needed for the effects, you know. And that that's kind of that's kind of the fun cuz he's a, he's a stop motion guy, so he loves to like get in there and like really focus on objects and and uh you know the the practical stuff. So that that was a lot of fun. But favorite deaths I think yeah, Clanky and then Mike Nielsen, obviously, um, that I mean, that's the one I wrote to be ridiculous. You know, I mean, it's at a certain point. I mean, it's like a nod to scanners, but it's a lot of other things. But I was like, if we're going to be ridiculous and we're just going to be killing things, I just like I like people's heads exploding. And I just want a lot of that in there because fuck, who does right. Yeah. You know, it's like like you're in it. within the first couple of minutes of the movie, you're either in or you're out. Like, you know what kind of movie it is, which is like, to your point, the people who want to dog on it online or something, they'll be like terrible CGI. And I'm like, first of all, in my opinion, there is 
no CGI in this movie. There's not there's not <laughs> one one rendered three dimensional object in this entire movie. Like, oh, or is there? Is there one? There's I- one. There's one. It's the intestines that come out of Jeff. When oh, he gets right. Okay. Out. So great. I, I did a I, I did a CGI simulation All right. of intestines. So there's one, and it and it, it's really so. But everything else is just my little puppet show. Like everything is like like bugs on strings and all this. And I mean, it, it's basically like the way I did the animation. It's just tantamount to like Flash, you know. So this idea that this like this, this idea that I like I modeled all this like terrible 3D and and intentionally made it look like a paper mache puppet is like you know like it's it's just somebody who's not watching the movie with the right eyes. So it's, it's just like ignore moving on. You know? Sure, yeah. Jeff. Jeff, what do you think, man? What are some some favorite deaths? Give us one or two favorite deaths. Uh, I mean, two come to mind. I mean, when and you know, back to my my abilities with a bat, like killing Mike Nielsen's character off is where I actually physically got to react to something. So, like, we had set it up. So, and you guys can explain the the animation process, but we had like a watermelon, <laughs> which was like the reference, right? Painted so with. I come over yeah. to whack the thing. It sends shit flying in all directions, and then you guys composited, you know, the head brains and all that stuff but that one was crazy um i also think the fun one is after the the, um the florist guy gets picked up and we're like oh maybe he's okay and then the body hits the floor and starts screaming the car that was just super fun because shooting that was obviously not that exciting i think the dummy weighed like four and a half pounds (laughs) right in the hood we're like (laughs) the dummy the dummy was literally like a like a scarecrow like bo's wife stuffed shirts uh and then like put tape around them and with like gloves and then yeah. we put clothes over it and it had like a, he- a head from like michael's arts and crafts that i painted to look like as much like the dude as possible but like that yep. was one of those like anytime we could do a, a effect that was that cheap but worked it just made it made me happy like we get that we got yeah. that cheesy helicopter i love that death too yeah somebody somebody had called me out for that too and i'm like man if you if like that's some team america shit like if you don't like like a cheesy model popping on a string like as a as an insert for something that would have cost a ridiculous amount of money then like get lost you know oh it's so funny i mean the cicada alone you built this puppet it's like Mm -hmm. what paper mache and fiberglass like matt Matt was saying i always wanted him to do it because obviously he's the right man for the job and like we went to him and i talked to him about it and i was super excited because i knew it would be really good but then we're looking at the budget and I'm like breaking down uh, like uh, all the things we got to pay for. And I, I, in the end, I ended up telling him, I said, hey, man, listen, like th- you gave me this incredible like rate, but it's like still there's too big of a piece of the budget for me to be able to do it. So I just went and I said, I, I guess we're doing this like puppet on a string thing. And I, I just sculpted it out of wire and then kind of literally did paper mache over it because it was cheap. And then kind of, you know, it's all it's like Michael's Arts and Crafts, like kindergarten show and tell type version. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it was it was good. And yeah, it totally works. Yeah, it, like you could bend the arms and stuff. And the little the nymph puppet I did, I at least put some uh, finger holds in there so you could move the, the two front legs. And that that's about as good as I could do with what I had going on. It was fun, though. I mean, it really it sells you you believe that it is what you're telling me it is and the fact that it's a real puppet works but so then i got like this is i got to tell people about how this came out so now you have these cicadas you're you're putting them on a string you're you're making them attack people but cicadas are bugs with wings and you and i were trying to figure out how do we do these fucking wings man and (laughs) so i built a 2d sort of wing rig it's It's 2d 2D, but you can move it in three-dimensional space yeah like yeah you can rotate it left and right and i was like well i can build it 
and I can start putting wings on there, but you know, we're going to need help. There's hundreds of shots in here. And you know, I was working, you were working, but you're like, well, show me how to do it. And I showed Dave how to do it. And Dave, you taught yourself after effects, basically taught yourself VFX to composite blood and guts and explosions. I gave you my library. So like you have explosions that have been used in like big TV Uh shows. And now it's like cicadas exploding. And because something we haven't mentioned yet is the cicadas for whatever, because awesome, they explode. And uh, the sugar in the body. Yeah. I love that they explode. They're basically flying time bombs. And you taught yourself how to composite. You took the wing rig. You put the wings on all of the cicadas in most of this movie, like 90% of the movie. You did the cicadas for this. I'm not even exaggerating. I think there's, I I think there's something like 2000 shots that I had had to work on. Like, I think, I I really think that's a correct number when I think back on, on what we were looking at, but I believe it. I mean, it's just like, yeah, it's, I mean, obviously when you're talking about swarms and things, you get a lot of copy paste options and, and all that, but it's never, you always have to like make corrections to every shot. And especially because we were on the, on the day, my thing was like, you know, my time and doing the effects does not cost as much money as like what we're doing here on set. So it's like, we didn't spend a whole lot of time worrying about like what direction the bug was going in and all this other stuff. Like if, like I probably could have saved myself a lot of time if I had like done a more controlled like situation with the way we puppeted the bugs and stuff. But in the end, I mean, we ended up, you end up reshooting some of those bugs and all that, but, but yeah, you got to go in and you manually tilt and skew uh, those wings on every bug and just keyframe it all the way through. And it was definitely a learning experience. And it's one of those deals. Wow. Like, it's, yeah, it's one of those deals. Like, um, like I call it my sky captain. Cause it's like, I started, I started, yeah, <laughs> I started. And then by the time I got to the end, I was so much better at it that the beginning was trash. So I had to go back and like redo everything, you know? And so that, that's one of the oh, reasons man. that it, that it took so long. It's just like my, it's my own, the limitations of my own skill set, and having to go back once I, well, okay, I got it. Like I, I would get to shots where I was like, I have no idea how to do this. I'm moving on. And I just skip it. And then, <laughs> and then, right. And then I'd skip it and go farther into the cut. And then, then like months later, I'd be like, oh, I got it. I know how to do it. And I'd go back and then do it. <laughs> and that, it was like that whole process until I finally had like a completed like cut with effects, you know? Before we, we transition to some other yeah. stuff that that we wanted to talk with you guys about. You know, you guys are huge, big time, you know, distributed Amazon filmmakers <laughs> now. Yeah. When you have the 20 year anniversary of Cicada, <laughs> and I don't know what date that will be because there uh, were next, three or four <laughs> you know, like three or four significant right. dates for you guys. Yeah. But when you get there and you release like the the Lucas ed- special edition Cicada right. where you're able to go back not necessarily and digitally change things, but just not related to budget per yeah, se. Uh-huh. But what are some things about the movie that you're like, oh, if I had another crack at that, I would change it. I don't care if it's a shot, the way it was framed or the way a line was yeah. delivered or the way an effect or a death happened, but not just budget, not just if you had the money, what would you change? But if you could, if you could finesse something yeah. in it, what would, what would you want to play with? I mean, for me, it would be moving the camera more and being more dynamic with the, the like actual cinematography because John uh, Tucker, mm. the DP, is a he's a really talented dude, and he's got like this years of uh, of work in in uh, animation and and other films, music videos, and like all these things. And like I just felt like I had his hands tied a lot of the time, just because of what I knew I was going to have to do in post. Like I didn't want to move the camera, mm-hmm. or or you know, we're shooting with four actors at the same time, pretty much always. And so to get the kind of coverage that I would want to get, like if I had everything I wanted. Um, would have taken three times as long to shoot the movie. We had to get the principal done sure. in like two weeks, you know? 
So it, it ends up playing to you more like, like a like a play in some in some ways because you you really ride those wides and you get into the close-ups and stuff. But I don't get to move the camera as dynamically as I probably would have if we had more time and more money. Like we like I would have loved to grab a dolly, <laughs> you know, just 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 like <laughs> once, like give me like one one like push in type thing, you know. But we did we did the best we could, you know. Um, like I'm happy that we just got to the finish line. But like yeah, that'd be the one thing for me because I'm really happy with the comedy in it and I like I like all the, the performances and the weird ADR and the amazing music that that, that came together yes. and everything. But like for me it's like that I I wish I could just free up John to, to like throw more of his cinema skills in there and like move the camera around, you know. All right. Jeff, what do you think? Kind of to Dave's point, I, I think it comes down really more to time than money. But you know, for me, I was producing and acting in it <laughs> during the day. Jeff just did quotes so you guys know he did quotes. <laughs> oh, numbers. I don't know if he's gonna be air quotes. But, you know, during the day, I had a full-time position. I, I was an assistant in those days working for a producer. We're actually prepping for the Academy Awards, which would have been for the 2016 year. So by the time I got to set, I was depleted. So I just felt like I, w- I wish I had a little more latitude to bring something more to it as an actor. You know, even though it's a ridiculous movie and we love the way it turned out, I just felt like when I think back on my performance, it's a blur. Like, I, I kind of don't remember doing it because we were moving so fast. And then I'd move out of a scene and then I was working on call sheets for the next day or making sure crap he got there, whatever it was. So I just think the luxury of time and had we been able to shoot it during the day, you know, if my stupid schedule wasn't getting in the way and we could actually have proper days, I think that would have helped the movie a little bit. But, you know, ultimately it is what it is and we're super proud of it. And um, yeah. you, know, you can play this game with anything. Shoulda, coulda, woulda. I mean, the, sure, the movie yeah. that came out was the movie that was destined. I, de- I definitely, yeah. do- I'll double down on what he said about the schedule because he was pulling the Michael J. Fox routine working like 24 hours a day. I was just going to say and, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, we did that schedule. And honestly, I just gotta say, like, like switching from days to overnights is just a bad idea. <laughs> like it's, oh, it's awful. terrible. I don't know. I know that it's like industry standard practice, like to and it has to do with like uh you know rules about like how many hours on hours off and you just end up flipping and all this stuff. But man, is it is it yeah. bad to like to jack up your your uh rhythm and everything and and try to do that like we we had some really hard nights where you get to like three o'clock in the morning and you're just out of gas and you're trying to like do a comedy and that's like that's man i would definitely budget <laughs> yeah. more days rather than than shoot overnights if i ever have the option yeah 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 that was a good way of putting it you just you just kind of felt like you were out of gas the whole time but there was only one way to go and that was forward like we just couldn't stop and yeah i mean i, I think no matter what i mean if you're working on big stuff i never got used to the flip from day no it's just unnatural i i i don't like working at night i really hate it the 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 script i started working on after cicada i was like no this is all gonna be days like there's (laughs) not gonna be a night scene if there's a night scene send the second unit in there i don't want i think i would have been when i did when i was on i am legend in new york city i was doing days sometimes with the first unit and nights with the second unit so i'd work like three days then have one day off then work four nights then have one day off it was abysmal Like, and I was younger, yeah. so I was like 25, so you could do anything. But like, even my 25 year old body was like, dude, we have to sleep at some fucking point. Right. Because you couldn't yeah. get in, like you said, rhythm. Like you couldn't get into either a work or a sleep rhythm with that. It was yeah. just like, I don't want to compare it to like torture, but that's got to be like what torture is like, right? Like waterboarding seems easier. Like, you know what, at least what's coming. <laughs> well, the hardest thing for Jeff, the hardest <laughs> thing for Jeff had to be that like, 
you know, for me sitting outside like the set or whatever was hard enough, but I put these four people in a car parked in front of a blue screen and we were shooting all the driving stuff in the overnights. And it's like, you're in this comfortable seat in a car and just, just like <laughs> trying not to fall asleep for hours. And I, I mean, I feel bad because I just like, well, I pop in the window, give them the script and be like, all right, we're doing this scene. And then you get back out and it's, but they're just in that car for like four or five <laughs> hours straight, you know? Oh man. That's insane. But I mean, you got it done. Yeah, you did it. And you guys did a great job. And you know, one thing Aaron and I said when we started this show was when we talk to people, even if it's trans, we're not going to blow smoke up yeah. anyone's ass. You know, we'll tell you what we really think. And for me, I'm a huge shitty movie guy. My bar is can I watch it completely by myself and enjoy it? Because you guys know there's movies yeah. that you need other people with to enjoy. Yeah. I remember when when you finally had the final cut edit, Rumi, Rumi sent me a copy of it. And he's like, we got to watch this. It's really fun. I'm proud of it. Dave's got, I think it was... I think it was the when what, Je- what Jeff said it was the 2018. Yeah, when we did the premiere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it was great. Like by myself, I was laughing, and I remember we were talking about possibly doing some sort of like audio commentary or live yeah. stream something. And I remember like writing down some jokes, but and I was by myself, yeah. and it was so fun, and I could not wait to watch it with yeah. you guys. It's like especially obviously Rumi. I was like, this will be so fucking funny to watch with him, but even by myself, awesome. So like that's my bar. So this is definitely like a recommend. So you guys want. Uh, before we, we we talk about some other stuff, do you guys want to tell us where exactly we can find it? Especially, tell me where DVDs and stuff are, because I'm a physical media fella, and I, I got to get my hands on a copy. Yeah, me too. And I, I mean, man, watching this thing on DVD was really rewarding just to be able to pop it in and be like, I didn't make that DVD, and somebody did a really good job on it. And so those, yeah. those yeah. are on uh, Amazon Prime, and we're streaming on Prime and a bunch of other weird stuff. We're on like, like Xbox. Uh, Fandango has a thing called Fandango Now. Um, we're on Apple TV. TV, iTunes. There's a whole list. Um, if you go to the, uh, I basically made the Facebook group the official website for the time being, and there's links to you know the, the trailers, the VOD stuff. I, I just updated the merch, and so on Facebook, the, the name of the group is Don't Be Afraid of, and it's got our red cicada icon. And uh, if you go to cicadathemovie.net, it'll reroute you to that Facebook page, and then everywhere else on social media, it's just at Cicada the Movie. That's awesome. And it came out just in time for the holidays. It's a great stocking stuffer, guys. A DVD fits in a stocking perfectly, (laughs) and a DVD of Cicada is a great gift to anybody who is a creature feature fan who loves uh, fun B-movies. I mean, it's a great one to sit and watch with friends because you can enjoy it on many, many levels. It is a fun, funny movie. You can watch it with your friends and laugh at it. You can just, it's a, it's a good time and I highly, highly recommend it. So please go out and get this movie, get it for your friends, buy it for Christmas. But speaking of Christmas, one of my favorite things around the holidays is Christmas movies. Are you guys Christmas movies fans? Do you guys like movies, holiday movies? Oh, yeah. oh hell yeah. I definitely have a set everybody's got that set that they watch every year and then it becomes like a family sure. thing. You know, it's mandatory. Exactly. Hold on, before, before we dive in, did, did you guys see TBS getting torn apart on Twitter because they cut off the end of Jingle all the way the other day? <laughs> so, no! What so happened? They, I, don't, I don't know whose brainchild this was or how this <laughs> happened, but they aired Jingle all the way and it's like, um, like the part where Schwarzenegger gets the suit on and it flies up into the skyscrapers, for, nowhere near like the actual end credit roll. He like flies up into the sky, 
boom, and credits. And so all these people are like, we're like, what the fuck? And so they're just tearing him up on Twitter because it's like, dude, I like, it's like, what if it's your first time watching it? That's the worst ending in history. It's like that scene in Elf where they drag him in and he shows him the children's book and it's missing pages. He goes, what happens to the yeah. little dog? Right. My child wants to know. And he's like, ah, right. we're going to have to do but a anyway, recall. I just wanted to share that with you because I, because I, I, I love that specific <gasps> type of, of human folly is, you know, that's yeah. awesome. What I would, I, now I want to like get to the bottom right. of that. Like who's fired? Who, why would anyone think <laughs> right. that? Somebody was like, we got to cut it short for time, which happens all the time. They edit movies for time, but like, that seems like a huge, like you at least have to get to the end. Right. Cut something in the middle. You don't cut the ending. Yeah. There's a difference between editing and cutting the end off. This would be funny if they could figure it out. If there's that much outrage to sort of capitalize on, find Sinbad oh. and, and tell him about <laughs> it and just let him go off on it. That would be yeah. My poor guy just had a stroke, though he's not available at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's actually I I actually know him through my day job. He's a really sweet and amazingly funny guy. And yeah, when he he comes into my office, he he just like eviscerated me one time and just roasted me, and it was like the the best day of my life. (laughs) He is the nicest guy because I I, here's he was the first celebrity I ever met. I was a kid. We were in Chicago. My my family was in Chicago. I must have been ten at the time, but I knew Sinbad because we liked his stand-up. I had a VHS with his stand-up on it and he was in the diner and I'm like, Mom, it's Sinbad. And she's like, he is here eating lunch. He does not want to be waved at. He does, like he 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 knows he's here and, and you know he's here. It's cool if you saw him. And I kept looking at him and I kept looking at him and finally he goes, he can say hi. Hey. And I went over and met him. He's like, I'm Sinbad. I was like, I'm here. We're big fans. He's like, have a great day. And it was so nice, nice of him because he could see a little Where was, just like, when was that? I, I was 10. This had to have been uh, so like early 90s, 90s, early 90s, 92, Because he did a stand up about people fucking with him in a diner. Did you ever hear that? He's like, don't you hate it when you're eating a Reuben in Chicago and some little fucking snot-nosed kid who grows up to say the end is near? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. But I do love, yeah, back to holiday movies. I do love me some holiday movies. Uh, I I love Jingle All the Way. It is terrible, but it's one of those ones you can watch. No, but yeah. Come on, the Turbo Man. Get the Turbo Man. Who told you you could eat my cookies? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh shit! Now I'm gonna have to watch this. This is one that oh, I haven't man. seen in a while. Is this oh, Dave? Is this on anybody's list? Like Dave just said, you have those ones. Is this on any of your guys's list? Yeah, of, like, need to watch every years? Yeah, lower, lower, lower tier. Yeah, lower, lower tier. tier. Okay, but it's it on. It falls there? into that category yeah. of like, I'm not gonna make sure. I'm not. I'm not gonna like seek it out every year. But if it comes my way, I'm not upset about it. Like it's you know, it's okay. just funny. And then there's another. <laughs> if it's on TBS, yeah, I'll watch it. <laughs> There's another one that that is in that category for me, which is that one with uh, Matthew Broderick and Danny DeVito. Like, uh, what is that one? They're having they're having like a, a war of who has the best Christmas decorations and who like runs Christmas in the town. And for whatever reason, oh. that one cracks me up. But it's not really like a favorite, but it's solid. Like it's really solid in a lineup of some very shitty Christmas movies. You know, what are some favorites? Like what are what are on your guys's lists of every year? Let's see. Uh, let's Jeff, you go first. What's something on your list that is a must watch every year? Deck the halls. It's called deck the halls. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> every year, um, I have a twin brother, and every year, without fail, usually four or five days before Christmas, when I'm home, I grew up. In 
north of LA in the San Francisco Bay Area. We watch Die Hard. And I know it's okay. become a cliche in itself now, but look, like, first of all, any time of year is a good time for Die Hard, no matter what. <laughs> yes. But it is the ultimate Christmas movie, and it's just become a ritual now. Like, it's synonymous with watching, you know, It's a Wonderful Life. It's the same thing. Oh, I, oh I see, yeah, there oh, you go. I'm, I'm sitting right next to a Thai Die Hard poster. It's one of my favorite movies God, of all time. Thai Hard. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then, then you've got my, my other favorite behind you. It's not a holiday movie, but I'm a huge fan of The Rocketeer, which I just watched uh, like four days ago. Love that. But, uh, so good. But yeah, Die Hard, top of the list for sure. Die Hard, some people say it's not a holiday movie. Yeah, we're yeah. all on the same page that it is. Dave, you agree it that it is a yeah, for holiday sure. It's just, just because, just because right. it's a different type of movie. It's clearly anchored in Christmas. Well, yeah. I mean, and let's be, all right, let's ask this question. What actually constitutes a holiday? Yeah. Well, that's, right. I, this is a, a thing, a whole episode I wanted to have with Rumi, but I would think that if nothing else, Christmas or holiday has to be essential to mm-hmm. the plot, right? Or at least to beats in the right. film. Well, something has to be safe, right? Like, so even if it's John McClane battling, you know, Hans Gruber and his cadre of Eastern European terrorists, really, they're kind of like the Grinch trying to steal Christmas. They're, they're stealing non-negotiable bear bonds, but it is... <laughs> <laughs> trying to steal Christmas. So, you know, John McClane, a.k.a., you know, New Yorker cop Santa has to, like, stop him from doing it. Somebody argued because because there's another movie that that is a is a fun one that takes place at Christmas. But the Lethal Weapon movies, the first one takes oh, place yeah. at Christmas. But if you remove Christmas, it doesn't change the movie. I'll say that the scene of him, of him like uh, it would be a lot less like I put a gun in my mouth. It would be a lot lot uh, <laughs> lot less dark without a Christmas tree. That's all I'm saying. That's that's true. That's true. But, but I see what you're saying. But Die Hard, the essential part of Christmas is it gets him there. The fact that he wants to. Re- reconcile with his wife and family for Christmas is really important and central to the movie and the fact that these terrorists are getting in the way of that and he has to stop it the ho 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 now I have a machine gun all the jokes that are centered around it all the Christmas decorations I think a holiday movie like Jeff said needs to have a a familiar element like something about family something about like good tidings to all something about that that Christmas spirit tied to the holiday of you got to have a Christmas tree in there you got to have something like that and I'll even that Christmas tree falls in that one but I'll even open like go under the hood deeper than not deeper but more technical than that the decorations and and I love the idea that it's something is being saved. I didn't think about that. But Rumi's idea of if Christmas was lifted out of the movie, would it change the movie? At, it, uh, it, there's a plot device in Die Hard that is Christmas related when he uses the Christmas tape and wrapping to t- tape the gun to his right. back. If it wasn't Christmas, you would have had to figure <laughs> out. I mean, you could have done something different, but it, that movie doesn't function that way without that. I do have something to say about the gun being taped back. Uh, a few years ago, I dressed up as John McClane for Halloween and one of the things I wanted to do was take a fake little toy plastic gun and tape it on my back. That is harder to do than you Oh, think. there's no way. And can you <laughs> imagine no how way. dirty? He was so dirty and sweaty. There's no fucking way no, that no. that would happen. You, it's just the physicality of trying to do it, especially with like the full weight of a handgun. Forget about it. Like, I don't know how. I mean, I love the scene and I wouldn't. He laid it on, it on the ground. Yeah. He taped the back. He laid it on the ground and then laid down around. on it. Was Jeff, <laughs> Jeff, it can be done. You're kind of, you sound like the kind of guy who'd be like, you can't run across a, a whole entire room full of glass barefoot. But well, John McClane has shown us. 
but this, that is, you this can. is the beauty of the first Die Hard. And I'm gonna I'm gonna insert this rant. The first Die Hard, and I would say the subsequent two that come after it work because it's an average guy caught in an extraordinary situation. And yes. everything he does, even though it might border on ridiculous, it's usually pretty damn plausible. But by sure, the time yeah. you get to Die Hard four or five so, oh. where they are now, like Yeah, when he teen wolfs the jet and I was done. I was I'm, yeah. I'm over. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I think it's one of those things that people are like, well, if you were in a video store, Matt, Matt and I's video store, if you were in the Rocketeers video store, Die Hard definitely wouldn't be in the Christmas movie section. It'd be in the action movies. But like a movie doesn't have to be Christmas centric to still be a Christmas movie. I mean, obviously a yeah. movie like a Christmas story or Christmas vacation is more genre based sure. for that thing. But Die Hard just fits the season right. well, because you feel good and you're having a great time. It's a it. wonderful life. I mean, that's yeah. a yes. perfect comparison because really it's about a guy realizing, you know, what's important in his life and realizing the gifts that he already has around him. Now, I would argue you can actually take Christmas out of It's yeah. a Wonderful Life. And I think mm. you can still have the same impact in a way. But it's got that. It, but it, it, but it, flirts, it flirts with that Christmas miracle thing, though, because this dude basically comes yeah, back yeah. from the Christmas dead. Christmas adds to it. But, I, but right. to what you're saying, though, um, you know, this is a real film nerd shit, but uh, Meet Me in St. Louis is the same thing. Like, it's like Christmas movie. That's where we get the song uh, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. It ends at Christmas yeah. time. But it's really the story of this family going throughout an entire year in St. Louis, you know. Um, but if you take Christmas out of it, I don't think it's the same movie. You know what I mean? Sure. But it's that old, I think it's that older, older style of storytelling, though. It's like it culminates at Christmas. So it's like, is it a Christmas movie? I don't sure. Know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let me say this about It's a Wonderful Life. It could fit anywhere, but that holiday, because Christmas is a holiday about forgiveness and family and, and it fits that yeah. theme, it's the perfect time to put it. If right, you took right. Christmas out of it and you picked his birthday or you picked a different holiday, any holiday will work. Any time would work, but Christmas just fits the bill because it's the time we all reflect on sure. those sort of themes. But think about it. It's literally the the la- not even the last third of the movie where you're talking about maybe like one tenth of the movie is Christmas because so much of the movie yeah. is just yeah. is live. But you're, you're ultimately right. But you know, let me ask you guys a question about, about um, It's a Wonderful Life because a lot of people really like that movie, but a lot of people say it's dark. I think it's super dark because the entire movie is just about how terrible his life is and how everything would be without him. And I watch it on TBS and it just ends (laughs) with him. (laughs) (laughs) It just ends with him seeing how terrible life would be without him. And that's how there's no resolution there. He's just hanging out with an angel. I think that I think the greater point of that, though, is that, you know, he he hasn't been able to see the value that him contributing to his community and stuff has played in other people's lives like so that wait he right. sees the value i didn't see that on the tbs cut I watched. <laughs> they just cut that yeah. ending right so I'm off saying like, like you know it's like it's like when it, when he comes back with the angel and everything it's like people don't know or recognize him he's getting to see how they live like if he hadn't been there and realizing that like you know he has played an important role in like all these sacrifices he's made like like not traveling so that his brother like could live his his yeah, dreams yeah. and stuff it's all, you know, it's all very socialist. There's a reason the dude ended up, uh, you know, blacklisted and all that stuff. <laughs> but I'm just yeah. saying, like, uh, that lends itself to a Christmas movie for sure. 
Yeah. I agree. Here's one thing. I got to ask you this. Tell me any other movie that gets away with this thing that It's a Wonderful Life does. It's like halfway through the movie before they introduce a main character. No other movie could ever get away with it. That's like, I think anybody who's reading that script today would be like, your main, your, your angel character yeah. comes in halfway through the script. Yeah. Why yeah. the, like, you can't do that. You got to, you got to introduce him in the first 10 minutes. It's like, well, you get a voiceover. You're like, but yeah, I don't know any, who he is. Anytime you're talking about, anytime you're talking about the, the, like, you know, that's that deus ex machina, like God coming out of nowhere to solve problems type thing, but you get away with it because it's an angel yeah. at Christmas. Like, again, you know? Right. A movie. Yeah. Right. When I else say an angel show up? I really do love that movie. And it was like one of those movies that as a kid, I saw a couple times it was not like a staple in my yeah. house. But maybe in like high school, I watched it. I appreciated it for what it was, but then I let it go. But now as an adult, I've watched it again and I've tried to get my wife to watch it. And she, it's too hard of a watch yeah. for her. She's like, it hits too hard. And it does. It punches you in the fucking gut and you lose your air. Oh, yeah. But if you, I feel, I feel at least if you can make it to the end of that movie, it's totally redeeming. And it has like, I mean, I ball my eyes out every time I watch it because it's just what yeah. a wonderful human movie. And I think the Christmas thing, I think, could lift out of it. But it's almost like when you watch a... Uh, a, rom- a romance movie, a romantic movie, when you have that scene where the characters finally run up to each other and yeah. kiss, if it's raining, yeah. that scene is more right. effective. I think when you have It's a Wonderful it's Life, if it's Christmas, the whole journey is more yeah. effective. You know what I mean? It's a it's a backdrop for it. Yeah, the snow, the snow and then the, everything in the streets is closed. It's like just more dram- like he's coming from this like ice cold river. Like it's like it's, the drama is much higher. You know? Yeah, there's a lot, a lot yeah. going for it there. But that's yeah. definitely well. I like that. That's that's one of Jeff's. I don't know. That's almost an every year for me. It's like every year if I could get to it. But Dave, what's a what's a every year for you? Every Chris, every every year. Yeah, Christmas I, I mean, I feel like uh, Christmas vacation is on everybody's list. I feel like at least that I know that it's a that's the family staple. Like, so I, I won't go too much okay. into that one. But that's like in my family, you watch Christmas vacation from Thanksgiving to New Year's. Like, and yep. on, on, uh, yeah. I watched it like on repeat. Like there will <laughs> never be a time where you've watched it too many times. Like it's fun. Like to the noodle post is funnier every single time I see it. You know what I mean? Holy shit. Where's yeah, the time? Right. For me, for me, I really love uh, gremlins because I mean, it's I, obviously I, I love nice. creature features and everything and it's so dark and I'm just like, man, this is like, I, I don't know. I, I kind of love the movies that I think kind of slightly traumatized me into wanting to make films like when I was younger, you know, <laughs> yeah. and gremlins is one of those ones where like, man, this is so like dark and creepy and violent. And they're like, I, it's one of those things where it's like, could they do this today? Would they do this today? I mean, there are rumors, I guess that Chris Columbus is going to do a, a, is writing a third one and they're going to do real puppets i don't know if you can lend any like any facts to that but i haven't heard yet i've read the same stuff you have i'm so excited if they do christopher chris columbus approached me about the budget and i gave him a budget <laughs> and, down and we chopped some of it off but i'm just saying I, I haven't i haven't done any kind of deep any deep dive on it but i'll say that uh yeah yeah you know uh, as far as christmas movies goes it's great because you rarely get that perfect mix of of christmas and horror like you get with like krampus or like you know the, the where it's like super dark and it really effective like horror movie but also yeah. a great christmas movie you know so. yeah yeah i just watched it this year we watched it again and this was the first year that i loved gremlins yeah. really i have always been on the fence well because here's the situation because you were scared you were very yeah. scared <laughs> yes I'm, I'm terrified no because gremlins is is great for me up until the moment where the caroler gremlins show up because it's the first time we see them in clothes and for years when they start showing up wearing clothes i was yeah. out i was out <laughs> we've it was talked too- about this i I remember that. 
it was too silly. If you're not okay with that, you can't be okay with them all watching the movie in the movie theater, which I think is amazing. And that that, <laughs> that lays the foundation for the miracle of cinema that is Gremlins 2. Okay. So, yes. like, <laughs> yeah. so like you have you, you if they were just creepy monsters, like the reason Gremlins is so good is that they each one has a personality and that you know you get stripe and you get like the individual ones. It gets a little out of hand in the second one with like vegetable gremlin and all that shit. But but like it's ridiculous. But like <laughs> but in the first one, it's like, oh man, this is a team of creatures. Like they're like they're they're it's not yeah. a hive mind. They're like all individuals and they, you know. Well, this is the first time I watched it and was like, well, you know what, I'm I'm here for it. And when I let go, I finally enjoyed it. But here's what happened. You could tell somebody was watching the the dailies, maybe Steven Spielberg, and he's like, guys, this is really dark. We yeah. need to lighten this up. And he goes, What if we put a little hat on him? He's like, we'll try it. <laughs> And so they got to do more effed up shit if they put little costumes on them. Yeah. And then they just went nuts. And like I was reading this this interview about one of the puppeteers. And yeah. he's like, that bar scene took five days to shoot. Oh. And by the end, it smelled like stale beer and rotten popcorn. And there were rats and bugs everywhere eating all the popcorn. He's we wearing, wearing, like, wearing one of those 80s thick collared like sweaters. And like, oh, dude, I can't. It's too yeah. good. Super <laughs> madness. Right, exactly. Super <laughs> madness. Uh, Rumi, what do you think made you love it more this year? Like, was there, was there a tangible thing that you could say like you said let go was that it or was there something in it that you appreciated this time i think i've watched enough i think i've watched enough like bad b movies to be like you know what i know when to just let go well and appreciate that good practical of it. that still exists in that movie you know what i mean like it, oh god yeah 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 because yeah. yeah. that movie theater scene when you realize the amount of work that bar scene the amount of work and you i just really appreciate and i mean i always appreciated gremlins i, I can't say I, like i hate it i just wanted the gremlins to be scary the whole movie and not suddenly get like I don't mind if they're silly because they're gremlins. I just they start putting on clothes. They're wearing little hats. You're making me hate it again. Stop. Watch it. critters then. <laughs> if that's what you want, watch critters. I love critters. I also have a really, uh, I have a really twisted sense of humor, and like it comes off in our movie, like like when something is just so like unnecessarily dark that you laugh because it's like you know beyond like anything realistic. Oh, yeah. When they sit down and start talking about her dad in the chimney, you're like you're like yes, you're yes, like, yeah. this like this is yeah. like a kid movie like what is this what is this rated you know she's talking about her dad like then that's when we the smell started and you're like holy shit you know they literally dragged his bloated body out of a chimney and that's a christmas movie for children and Rumi, i just listened i just re-listened to our episode from years ago where we talk about specifically christmas horror movies and we talk about gremlins and we talk about that scene and the most memorable thing about that scene to me was that i didn't realize as a kid and i remember that i remember seeing that and hearing that as a kid but phoebe cates ends that monologue by saying that's how I realized there was no <laughs> and when you think yeah. about like yeah. not only yeah. did her dad die did she smell her dad for weeks did she see her dad's like she understood the tragedy of her dad trying to surprise yeah. her but all of that aside that's when she realized there was no such Which thing is as dark, that is because it transports up. that moment to a little girl and then you're like oh my god you know yeah. oh my god yeah. crazy she yeah, also no, 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 says she's nine at the time which yeah. is also like you're believing in Santa Claus at nine kid my wife did. Yeah. yeah, but that shit was dark. And then Spielberg was like, well, let's just put some hats on him. Put some little hats on him. But, you know, this that, that, that that's like a point we should touch on, that like filmmakers of a certain day would trust that we as kids could watch movies like that. And you know what? We're not fucked up people. We survived yeah. it. We were raised on dark yeah, shit. Yeah, right, man. right, right. 
Right. Like, but we understood that it was movies and that there was a certain amount of fun. There was a certain grain of salt you took by watching a movie called Gremlins. It was, it took place at Christmas. Like, sure. We're okay. Like, we don't need filmmakers now to like protect us from the world. Right. Like, bring that shit on again, please. Right. I agree. Yeah, I agree with like, that. Like, Krampus is rated R, but you watch it and you're like, this is like a PG 13 movie. This yeah. Is no worse than Gremlins. Right. Gremlins is PG, but it was, it was back in that weird era of PG being the only. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I, I'll say, uh, I do want to note that I only discovered like two days ago that there's a knockoff franchise called Munchies. Do you guys know about Munchies? this? Munchies? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, we know. Poster, and now I have to see it because I'm like, I don't know what that is. But I'm, it's like it's a gremlin with a different haircut and a leather jacket holding a Budweiser and smoking a cigarette. And I'm like, I don't know what that is, but I'm here for it. Like, let's do it. <laughs> it's worth the watch, but it, it won't be it every year. I can assure you that. <laughs> yeah this is if the gremlins put on little hats and then like looked up women's dresses it's that kind of movie i do have one other one other christmas movie that i want to mention because i don't think anybody really knows that it exists like at least i do it's like from 1985 there's this movie called uh it's santa claus but if you look it up on imdb it's santa claus the movie and uh it's got john lithgow and dudley moore in it and it's just super obscure and also kind of dark it's like the main character is this homeless kid like and it's it's just sad he's like like drooling looking in the window of mcdonald's like watching people eat and all this stuff while it's all cold outside and he's like living with a with a barrel <laughs> fire and all this right and so simul- but like simultaneously it's like the prototype movie for elf and so like you go to the north pole and they're prepping the toys and all this and this one elf wants to ad- advance technology in the north pole he wants to like take the north pole into the 20th century and like and make better toys and like and mechanize things and not build everything by hand and all this stuff right and Santa's like, fuck you, get out of here. Like, this is that's not how we do things. So he gets all uh, angry, like Herbie style and leaves and goes goes <laughs> to uh, New York City and meets John Lithgow, who uh, who runs this like evil corporation. And he and so what ends up happening is uh, the whole thing is that uh, reindeer can fly because of some magic dust that they throw on him or feed him. Right. They put it in the hay and then they can fly. So this guy steals this shit and gives it to John Lithgow. Now he's selling candy canes to children and they're like floating up into the sky and shit. And all they're making all these toys that can like leave the ground and all this other stuff. Somehow Santa enlists this homeless kid as his new like sidekick elf to help save to save Christmas. His best friend, the, the kid's best friend is this incredibly rich girl whose parents don't love her that like she eats alone every night at these long tables and everything. Like the whole thing is just super dark. How did they become friends? Because like she noticed like that this dude's out here starving digging through the trash and she's all like little boy little boy like like come in and eat my food at the giant table i have no friends and then so they're like you know who like and then santa i think just took pity on this poor bastard and just like lands next land like lands next to him and it's like dude you want to like you want to go for a ride like nobody's helping me deliver presents like let's do this so now yeah like and so then you cut to this homeless kid just like flying the sleigh through new york like you know it's one of those hey kid i need an intern you don't look busy right everybody steals this everybody steals this one thing which is like that there's not enough time left to deliver all the presents christmas is fucked and santa's like no because i'm santa like like kurt kurt russell just did it twice or whatever uh you know it's like that thing where you have 15 seconds left but if we if we go fast enough we can 
just go faster than the sun and like deliver all the presents. And this definitely has that, but it's like the guy, I don't know the name of the guy who plays Santa, but he's kind of perfect. I don't know. But it, it, anyway, I'm not saying watch it every year, but it, it was one of those ones that for some reason got baked in so hard. And then I would talk to people about it and they're like, I don't have any idea what the fuck you're talking about. I've never heard of this movie in my life. When was the last <laughs> time you saw it? Oh, probably a couple of years ago, because I mean, once, once, uh, cause for years, you know, I saw this thing when I was a kid, like I probably saw it on TV in the nineties or something, you know, cause I was, I was only three in 85. So eventually, eventually I got to the point where I was trying to describe it to people. There was no IMDB, there was no streaming and whatever. And I, when I found it again, I was excited. And, uh, but then I watched it and I was like, oh, well, it's not like that great, but you know, <laughs> but at least I found it because you feel like a crazy person because you're like, dude, it's John Lithgow. They right. say, like, yeah, like, yeah, how yeah. Is this not, like, how do people not know about this? Cause he plays like a real asshole too, which I always like. That's too funny. I would love the time where like you met up with John Lithgow. So like you were eating in a diner right. somewhere and you saw John Lithgow <laughs> oh, and you right. went over and you were like, Hey, remember when you were in that Christmas movie and he just grabbed you and he was like, <laughs> no one knows about that. And that was yeah, that yeah. was it. No, yeah. he, he looks at me all like Dexter season five, like. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, calm down, bro. It's not like I mentioned Harry and the Hendersons or fucking Cliffhanger. <sighs> exactly. <laughs> so good. Well, I, I might have to check this out because actually this year, I, I love Christmas horror. That's my, I wait fucking all year and every year I try to find something new. So I've already seen one thing that kind of scratches that itch so my new thing is there i'm gonna look for other stuff but this year i thought to try to watch some of these movies like this movie that you're describing dave um santa claus the movie that i don't i i remember the dust i probably saw this on tv probably on tbs so i don't know what that i don't know how it ends but i feel like i saw pieces of this but there's so many movies that i christmas movies that i've never seen but i'm aware of and I thought maybe this year I could try to scratch a couple of those off a list where there's none that I like am dying to see, I guess. But like there's all these like, dude, even Elf. I've never seen Elf because I hate fucking Will what's Ferrell. his name. But like, oh, my God. But I'm I'm in this period of my life where I'm trying to be more open and, and reconsider things. And I'm starting to try things that I assumed I wasn't going to like. So I'm thinking specifically with that movie, like try that. And if that works, maybe start in some other one. So do you think Santa? Claus is worth my time, Dave. I think so. And I, as far, like as far as Elf goes, I'm not a big fan either. But it's a, a big important stepping stone for Favreau, who brought us many amazing things afterwards. So true. Yeah, and that's a, like Favreau. Like Favreau's involvement is a very important part of me kind of checking that out like and Kyoto Brothers all the stop motion I mean look I agree that Will Ferrell isn't my go-to comedy guy but he is made for this movie this movie is pure Christmas magic this movie is Christmas magic I believe they talk about that in the 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 holiday movies that made us or whatever it is that came out they talk talk about how they were writing it so close to the line with those old 1960s stop motions you know and they I think they they have to make a deal I think so because it's just the lawyer said to do completely something completely yeah. just like lifted you know but it has to be it's parody i love elf into that list of modern christmas classics that people love that took me a while to love i do like it now and i probably do end up watching it every year the other one is love actually yeah, which yeah, yeah, i'll yeah. admit like i did not get for so long but i think it finally beat me down after 18 years that i somehow end up watching the i just watch every year and i go okay i'm not mad that i watched that but i'm kind of like you know what they kind of don't make this movie anymore yeah it really kind of it's an odd 
it was like 2002, 2003. It was kind of the last of its kind. For me, it's just all about watching Andrew Lincoln be like a sad sack, like 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 yes. love struck, heartbroken Hell English yeah. guy. Yeah. Like there's a scene. There's, you, you like when you think of all the stuff that he did to Walking Dead, and then you watch. I watched that the other night, and he like he does this sassy thing where he takes his super tall sweater and he just like zips it up to cover his heartbreak, and then walks away. And did like, dude, I lost yep. it. <laughs> <laughs> the movie never reconciles this. So his character is all butthurt that he can't have what's her name? Uh Kira Knightley. Kira Knightley. Well, he kind of ends up stealing her from from Chuatel, right? Chuatel, yeah. great actor. They don't address that. It's like, dude, you're his best friend. You were the best man at his wedding. Yeah. You just took his girl. And it's like, haha, Merry Christmas, everybody. Did you see it on TBS? Because there's a whole scene yeah, 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 yeah. a fight. Yeah. yeah. Did you miss that? <laughs> they they might cut that off. I I probably did. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that movie is really sweet and everything. And actually, I I I also laughed because I got this like old Jaguar that I drive now and like in the movie Hugh Grant is like is like bring a car around front and then they they get in the guy drives him and it's my car and I was like holy shit <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing I like how well rounded that movie is because it's like it's as an ensemble movie it's pretty perfect because it doesn't hold be- like there's really dark shit there's really sad shit it, it, it's, it's really yeah. sweet like little kid stuff it's just like a, like such a complete picture that's all centered around like I love that it's centered around this Christmas play and everything comes together it's very like uh you know altman or like like these like yeah. uh, these larger ensemble things you know i always describe it as like the anti-romantic comedy romantic comedy yeah. because it knows that half the people watching it are kind of begrudgingly watching it and it <laughs> it feeds to that and some of the yeah you know because it is sort of a i don't know it's almost an anthology movie yeah. but not it's you know it, it's all these separate stories that kind of tie together but like you keep cutting to the one that's ridiculous is the is the guy going to america Colin, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Colin, God of sex. <laughs> yeah. yeah. God of sex. Yeah. yeah. He's hysterical. And I love that they always had a couple things in there to make you go, you know who's watching. Thank thank you for addressing the right. people who don't yeah. want to be here. And then it brings you around. You're yeah. like, this is a really sweet movie. And I Billy like Mac is my my spirit animal. Like that, that Christmas <laughs> song is like ridiculous. And honestly, it's like that Christmas song has gotten worked into like the annual Christmas songs, even though it's just this ridiculous thing from the you know. Are either of you guys Scrooged fans? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Scrooge. Holy shit. Shit. I mean, it's uh, man, it's weird. That, I mean, th- th- again, that's that's me. That's horror meets Christmas perfectly like dark. Like I love it. And uh, Bill Murray at his best. It is a coke fever. Oh yeah, oh, for it sure. is a coke yeah, fever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> the, the, the Rockettes with the exposed nipples, and they're arguing whether or not yeah. that can go on television. Like I mean, it's this <laughs> weird shit in that movie. It definitely is like I mean let's let's be real. A lot of these movies that came out in the '80s had some like there was things influencing some decision making. (laughs) (laughs) Rub it on the guy. Yeah. So Uh, we just watched it this year, and I I love uh, that's that's an every year for me. But it is so weird. Every time I watch it, you're like, who is this for, and why? And I love good. I mean, the Christmas Carol is a great story, but the fact that they took it and put it in like '80s height of television, like yeah, it's it's pretty wild and the practical effects in it are bizarre really fantastic I, I mean it's a it's a fun one it's it's really and Bill Murray deserves just, a rewatch yeah I mean this is Richard Donner though so oh, I mean, he's uh, doing what he does best yeah no and I feel like that one kind of gets overshadowed by Christmas Vacation they came out around the same time 
And I think, yeah, Scrooge is always that one where if you're looking at a video store shelf, you kind of go to Christmas vacation and then it's like three down and there's Scrooge and you're like, which one do I go with? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and again, Scrooge almost, I mean, it, it works. It, it, it just doesn't fit the holiday as well, even though it's very much a purely a Christmas movie, right. but like it doesn't give you that warm fuzzies. It's more of just a bizarre, like dark. I mean, the Christmas Carol, which again, you're like, this is a Christmas story. Yeah. This is really fucking yeah. dark. That's a great point. Did anybody see the guy pierce christmas carol that came out last year no i think you talked about it last year incredible is, is it good incredible okay. i thought it was incredible i it's it's a it's long because it's kind of a mini series thing but it's it tells basically like a, a better story of who scrooge is yeah. and why he's a piece of shit okay and like what his greed actually does to people and it is dark wow now i want to see but it really well i have done. a soft spot yeah, for guy pierce because cool. i just feel like he's uh, i mean i don't know i feel like i'm like what where is this guy you know like okay. Just, yeah, yeah. Okay. all right dave so what's the other christmas movie that he was in oh man you're gonna love this what movie that he's awesome in starts at christmas that he's awesome and starts at christmas is it LA LA yeah 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 starts at christmas which is one of my oh. yeah which is a yeah the, one of his best movies obviously i just thought of another random obscure one that's kind of dark and and stuck with me from the 80s i, I sent it to you but it's uh the night they save christmas from 1984 it's like this this uh this chick is married to this guy in the oil business and this oil company is in the north pole like blasting and they're gonna blow up the north pole and like basically kill santa <laughs> and all the elves and so she's trying to get to the north pole to stop it and so there's a lot of snowmobiling and like crazy like it's just like getting, it's really bizarre yeah that's just another one that's like so obscure and i get to have this thing kicking around in my brain for the rest of my life and nobody knows what i'm talking about yeah i don't that doesn't ring any no. best the santa claus the santa santa claus the santa claus the movie rang bells at yeah yeah for me this one i'm like well, whoa this thing is just uh i don't know does anybody remember prancer yes so prancer is this movie it was it must have been the only christmas vhs my school had so when it was close to christmas vacation <laughs> <laughs> They'd wheel in the AV cart and pop in Prancer, so we watched yeah. it like every year. This movie's terrible. You got Sam Elliott, who everybody recognizes, you know, the cowboy from uh, Big Lebowski, as a fucking drunk, abusive father who's just yelling at his little girl all the time, and he doesn't know what to do because his wife is dead, so he's a piece of shit, and he hits Prancer with his truck or some something, yeah. and the little girl <laughs> hides Prancer in the attic, and she's convinced that this is the Prancer. He belongs to Santa's reindeer, and everybody's like, no, you're a crazy little girl, and he's, I'm going to kill that reindeer. He's always yelling at her. He's drunk. And at the end, like Prancer flies off with Santa Claus and the dad believes. But like, it's it's a horrifying movie because this girl is just like in this abusive relationship with her father and everybody. It's so bleak and dark. I'm like, how did who made this movie? Why does this happen? I remember I saw that in theaters because I going to school in Massachusetts growing up. They they would have these administration days uh, every couple months. They'd have an early release Wednesday and they would bus. They would bus all the kids at the elementary school could take if their parents couldn't pick them up at like noon they could go on a field trip to either uh they would alternate between roller kingdom roller skating or uh or go into this tiny little like <laughs> sticky shoe like two screen theater in franklin mass and i went and we watched prancer was one of them i remember what kind of school is this <laughs> yeah it's it, 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 this, is, this is public this is public school in in friggin rentham 
Massachusetts. I don't know what to tell you. They were like, they're like, ah, oh, your parents can't, can't pick you up. We're going to go roller skating in Rhode Island. <laughs> you know? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Happy holidays. Sure. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so revealing. I got a good little one that new to me, I think two years ago, a friend on Facebook, a, a guy that I did special effects with posted like, here's this link to this really rare Chuck Jones animated Christmas carol. And uh, it's from 1971. And he's like, it is the darkest rendition of that story I've ever seen. And we all know that story. And there are some really fucking dark elements. Even like the fucking Muppet version has some dark pieces to it. If you find this 1971 and you can uh, you could YouTube it. The whole thing is up on YouTube. It's not very long. It is fucking dark and it's animated dark like it's produced by Chuck Jones, but it's not it doesn't look like a Warner Brothers cartoon. It is scary. And all like, you know, the 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 um, the two ghosts who come at the beginning and the ghost of Christmas future fucking scary. It's definitely like it's older than we are, but it's one of those things that the guy who suggested it, he was 10, 15 years older than us. Mm-hmm. I could see how it fucked his generation. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if you saw that, you were fucking afraid of this movie. So, uh, I just found it on bootleg uh, DVD a couple months ago. So, that'll definitely be in my rotation this year. I don't know if it's in every year, but it's def. I can tell you guys it's worth the watch. I know, Rumi, I know your taste. J- uh, Dave, I think I know yours. And Jeff, I know a little bit now from this episode talking with you. But I think you guys would like... Uh, I'm sure it's only a half hour, 40 minutes long, but I think it's worth the worth the watch for that. Oh, I'm definitely gonna I'm definitely gonna try to seek that one out because that sounds insane. It was one of those like I was watching it while doing laundry, and like two two to three minutes in, I was like, no, 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna do the laundry later. I need to watch watch this. I don't want to just listen to it. The animation style, it's 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 good. It's definitely good. I can't wait till my kid is old enough to scare his ass with it. Do you guys have any movies that your family made you watch that are Christmas related that like you just hate but just suck charlie brown christmas yes i'll take that <laughs> fair yeah. yeah yeah my wife loves that and i can't it, i don't uh, it's just that's depressing i feel like i feel like uh, uh it's a wonderful life looks at that movie and starts crying yeah yeah you know what, <laughs> yeah. what's that movie it's, it's one of those artsy movies that has a school shooting at oh. the end of it like I, every time Elephant? i watch that i feel like Elephant, yeah. yeah. Gus Van Sant. To me, that's Charlie. Yeah, it's gu- exactly. Yeah. Gus Van Sant, Elephant. You knew which one I was talking about. I feel like when you watch Charlie Brown Christmas or any of the yeah. Peanuts thing, yeah. you're watching Charlie Brown, the making of some sort of awful yeah. like spree shooter. <laughs> like he is just dumped on and dumped on and dumped on. <laughs> and just, you blockhead. Everybody's such a dick to him. Right. And he's always so sad. And then he has like, he has this epiphany of humanity and everybody just shits on him. He's like, <laughs> look, at this, look at this cute little tree. This tree isn't so bad it just needs a little love and they're like <laughs> fuck you charlie brown asshole yeah, i never connected i never connected with that either no but for me for me it's like uh, in my family in addition to christmas vacation those those old 1960s stop motion films like rudolph and all that that, that we talked about with elf i forget the name of the filmmakers but Rankin and Bass. Yeah. Most of those are solid gold, right? Like you're just like, this yeah. is a, this yeah, is yeah. perfect stop motion. It tells a good story. It doesn't overstay. It's welcome. Has some good songs in it. Like we're in, we're out, we're happy. We're fine. <laughs> my, my mom has the full box set and she thinks that every one of them is a, a masterpiece, but friggin' the little drummer boy is garbage. <laughs> And, Terrible. And Nestor, the long-eared donkey. Have you ever heard of this one? That, that is hot <laughs> trash, dude. Like, it's unwatchable. 
I have that, and it's on a double feature DVD yeah. with a movie that I really cared about a lot growing up. So I bought it for that movie, but it's on there. And I was at my in-laws for Christmas, and I made them watch the one that I care about, which they shat all over. And then I was like, <laughs> well, this is Nestor the Long Eared Donkey. I don't know what it is, but let's watch it. <laughs> they will never let me live that day no. that I made them watch Nestor the Long Eared Donkey. Because it's like, they obviously made it after they made all those masterpieces, and then they it's like lower budget, lower like nobody gives a shit because like they move the puppets yeah. a lot less so it's like like it, it just ba- <laughs> it's barely constitute animation it's almost just like a series of like still images you know like moves the head moves the head no good songs like nobody cares about this donkey it's not connected to any Christmas lore or anything in any way it's like Rankin and Bass were like hey we made our money uh, y- you guys handle it and they're like we don't even know how to animate figure it out and they're like uh click I guess <laughs> <laughs> no it's <laughs> oh man, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, something just came out because the internet loves to get outraged by everything, yeah. but somebody was all like, did you guys notice at the end of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer when they're delivering the misfit toys, which still nobody wants. Yeah. Sorry, misfit yeah, toys, yeah, yeah, yeah. the reason you were on that island. Nobody wanted you. There's an owl that can't, a bird that can't uh-huh. fly. And they're like, nobody wants a bird that can't fly. And at the end, when they're delivering the toys, and they're like, yay, some guy grabs the owl who can't fly and throws him off Santa's sleigh, <laughs> probably 10,000 feet in the air. I mean, unless this bird is D.B. Cooper, he is not landing on that oh ground safely. Just, he is splatting <laughs> on the ground. Just <laughs> and some kid's like, what's Santa bring you? He's like, I, I think it was a bird. Yeah, I, I need now, to see that. Yeah. There's a good premise for a movie to do like the D.B. Cooper-esque story with like a Christmas story. Mm-hmm. Like this mysterious mm-hmm. guy falling out of the sky with a bag of money. Like, <laughs> to, to me, that's an Aaron McLean kind of Christmas movie. I would love to make a Christmas movie one day. I got to tell you, I would love to do a Christmas horror movie so bad. Oh, yeah. I want Let's do the Revenge of the Misfit Toys. You could have that Ooh, little yeah. girl doll. She picks up the squirt gun that squirts jelly, but reloads it and then reloads it with bullets. <laughs> and that's, that's, how the, that's how the revenge starts. Yeah. No, I, I want to yeah. do like an Elf on the Shelf movie where the Elf on the Shelf starts. Oh, that's a good dude, one. it's done. That's good. Oh, There's it? an Elf on the Shelf movie on Amazon called Shelved. And but it wasn't it really good. <laughs> Terrible. That's one of those, man, that's one of those titles where like you're really you're really rolling the dice because you just handed the, the headline to the blogger who's going <laughs> to destroy you. Yeah. Shelved. Appropriate. You know? It's terrible, <laughs> but I'll be watching it this year. Nice. <laughs> Not every year, but I watched it last year. I'll be watching it this year. Nice. Well, guys, we've hit about an hour 20, which runs long for some of our episodes. We could do this all day. We need to have you guys back because I would love to talk movies all day with you guys. Absolutely. For sure. I mean, I didn't even get to talk about a Christmas story, uh, Harold and Kumar Christmas, which I watch every (laughs) year with a waffle bar out of my mind. Uh, I mean, all the horror movies that we could get into, there's so many because this is such a great holiday for movies. I mean, Home Alone, Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, Home Alone. God. Holy shit. Where's the Tylenol? It's so (laughs) good i man i i mean i could spend all month watching great christmas movies if you guys haven't seen blast of silence look that up it's it's a christmas noir about an assassin great movie fantastic movie silence blast of silence it is a it's a noir christmas assassin movie where on christmas he's hired to kill oh it's great it's great it's great we're all looking it up right now i can see and hear us looking it up what oh yes yes so good and krampus is one of my favorites i mean we could just go on and on and on but guys follow us on social media facebook instagram and twitter at launchpad pod and our website launchpadpod.com tell us what your favorite holiday movie is what is your family go to what is the one that your family every year has to watch 
before it feels like Christmas. My wife's favorite one is White Christmas. And at first I was like, I don't like this movie, but it took a while and then it grows on you. And pretty soon you're like, sisters, sisters. <laughs> okay. Anyway. I've been in my queue for four years. I haven't hit play, but I might, maybe that's my, <laughs> this might be the year. This might be the year, you know? Yeah, yeah. Maybe you want to see Bing Crosby in a dress. So, Dave, Jeff, let people know where they can follow you and where they can follow Cicada. Yeah, I'm uh, at David Willis, too. So David Willis, I, I, uh, and also at Cicada, the movie for the movie. And uh, Instagram, I'm uh, at split cell underscore entertainment. Uh, Usually kind of updating stuff that I'm doing up there. So uh, find me there. Great. And just one more time, where can they find Cicada and buy that DVD? It's VO, it's on VOD just about everywhere, but the primary source is uh, Amazon Prime and Prime Now, Prime Video. Excellent. Do it. Yes, please do it. Everybody should watch Cicada for the holidays. And leave reviews if you like it, because that's, you know, that's going to aggregate importantly. So please, if you like the movie, uh, just, you know, short review, couple of stars. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Oh, yes. Please help these guys out. They're good friends and they made a great movie. And I am so happy for them. So proud of them. Guys, congratulations. We do a little thing on the Launchpad podcast. We do a little uh, secret handshake. It is the Rocketeers handshake. Uh, It's kind of weird to do over Zoom, but we do it anyway, just because, (laughs) hey, this is how we close out our episodes. This is how it goes. It's like a high five. You come into the middle Mm. with your hands straight out, and then you turn it into a rocket ship, invert it, and then you blast off with a raspberry, and that's the rocket ship. So we're going to do it on the count of three. Are you guys ready? Three, two, one. I laugh every time. I've been doing that shit with you for like fucking five years. I laugh every time. I laughed when Dolph Lundgren did it. <laughs> well, it's funny when you get other people to do it. Yeah, when you get but, other people to do it, it's the best. Guys, thank you so much for being on the show. We really appreciate it. We're the Rocketeers, and we are out. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff.